It's the Tennessee Star Report with Michael Patrick Leahy. Call and be heard. 615-737-9522 or 1-800-688-9522. 800-688-WLAC. Now, here's Michael Patrick Leahy. 6.06 a.m. We are broadcasting live from our studios on Music Row in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, we have a great program for you today at 6.15. Robbie Starbucks, the uh, producer of music videos, uh, who uh, is has announced his candidacy for the Republican nomination for the 5th Congressional District here in uh, Middle Tennessee, currently represented by Jim Cooper. Uh, Robbie's going to talk to us a little bit about what's going on in Cuba. He knows wherever he speaks. His mom was born in Cuba and came here uh, as a refugee along with her her uh, her parents. And so Robbie's going to talk about that at 6.30. The original all-star panelist, Crom Carmichael, joins us. And then at 7.30, Dr. K. Dr. K's game day picks will be here. Brought to you by Action 24-7 on the web at action247.com. Well, we have, I want to draw your attention to this story. Again, we are breaking news left and right here uh, on the, uh, at the Tennessee Star and the Star News Network. This is a story by Peter DeBrusca, one of our ace reporters. Uh, it's our top story at the Tennessee Star on the web at tennesseestar.com. Headline, Zen Education Project pulls teachers' critical race theory petition due to, quote, glitch after a report in the Tennessee Star. Oh, a glitch. By the way, Zinn, Howard Zinn, this is the, you know, the guy who, who kind of a revisionist historian who took uh, the, the truth of American history and twisted it to the left, kind of giving it a communist twist, which is now been uh, embraced by most of the K-12 public school uh, uh, elite infrastructure. It's been out there for years and years and years, ruining the minds of our children. So that's what the Zen Education Project is about. Here's the story. After the Tennessee Star reported on a petition signed by teachers nationwide who vowed to teach critical race theory, even if it was outlined in their respective states, the nonprofit that circulated the petitions appears to have pulled it offline. Quote, Lawmakers in at least 21 states are attempting to pass legislation that would require teachers to lie, they claim, to students about the role of racism, sexism, heterosexism, and oppression throughout U.S. history. End quote. A Zen Education Project petition said. Heterosexism. Interesting. I... Heterosex. I, I I've not heard that particular term. I guess what does it what what does that mean? Hetero, heterosexism. I guess it means what you only favor heterosexuality. I don't know. Uh, the petition explained why it was important for teachers uh, uh, to continue teaching critical race theory. Quote: From police violence to the prison system to the wealth gap to maternal. Mortality rates to housing to education and beyond, the major institutions and systems of our country are deeply infected with anti-blackness and its intersection with other forms of oppression. This petition read to to not acknowledge this and help students understand the roots of U.S. racism is to deceive them, not educate them. <laughs> really, 
This history helps students understand the roots, understand the roots of inequality today and gives them the tools to shape a just future. It's not the his, just a history of oppression, but also a history of how people have organized and created coalitions across race, class, and gender, end quote. Well, of course, this is a left-wing communist manifesto, basically. This petition, which was live as late as Wednesday morning, leads to a dead web page and a 401, 404 error that says this document has deleted. The Star News published Two more stories, one in the Ohio Star and one in the Florida Capital Star about teachers in those states who signed the petition. Uh, we showed to 21 uh, uh, teachers in Tennessee uh, signed the petition. Critical race theory has been banned from classrooms in both Ohio and Florida, and the tenants have been banned in Tennessee. According to Deborah Mankart of the Zen Education Project, the group has not pulled the petition offline, but rather is having technical difficulties displaying the names of teachers who have signed it. No, really. I, the technical difficulties? I think not. Uh, Menkert said they are manually updating a different page to display the signature's name. The page is, is dated June 20th, 2021. We have a small team, and some of us are also running a teacher summit institute, so our time is limited. Um, so I'm looking at this. I, I, I don't really see all of these people actually here. They've got some of them listed, but not just have a few listed. Yeah, interesting. Okay, well, we'll have more. Well, Robbie Starbucks join us when we get back. This is the Tennessee Star Report, and I'm Michael Patrick Leahy. With your host, Michael Patrick Leahy. 6.17 a.m. We are joined on our Newsmaker Line by our good friend, Robbie Starbucks, who is a candidate for the Republican nomination in the 5th Congressional District here in Middle Tennessee. Good morning, Robbie. Good morning, Michael. How are you doing? We're doing great. So, uh, protests in Cuba against the dictatorial, tyrannical communist regime that's been there for 62 years. You have some personal connection to Cuba. Tell us about that and tell us your reaction uh, to these protests. Yes, yeah, so my own family fled Cuba, uh, you know, during the revolution or shortly after. Um, and, you know, this this whole thing, I found myself this week, I still have some family there, and I found myself this week simultaneously so proud of the people there who were rising up and demanding freedom and liberty, while also being entirely disappointed by our own leaders here in America and the people, a certain portion of people in this country, who don't realize how lucky we are to, to be a free people, that have a constitution that guarantees us, or recognizes, rather, our rights that are God-given. And so, you know... There's kind of two sides to this coin, because while I'm so proud of those people, it really highlights that this is a window in time where we can look in the future and see this is what is going to happen in our country if we don't make the right choices right now. If we don't if we don't do the right things and we don't win in 2022, this is what we have waiting for us in the future, the future where people have so much poverty, so much hunger, so much need and have faced so much tyranny from their government that they have no choice but to rise up. And so, you know, I hope that we never get there, and I hope we make the right choices. Now, tell us a little bit about your family. I know your grandfather came over here. Was your mother born in Cuba, or was she born here in the States? 
She was born in Cuba. Yeah, she was actually she was a teenager when she came here. So really, um, what? When did she yeah. come over? What year did she come over? I don't know the exact year. I'm not. I'm not great at the years. <laughs> but she came over when she was a teenager, and um, you know, so she lived in a place called Diego de Ibiza. And you currently have uh, family members back in Cuba. Have you talked to them at all? Um, no, because you know, there's a lot of fear that given what I'm doing here in America and everything and have been doing for the past few years that it would put them in danger in Cuba if I, you know, had communication with them. So I don't, but other people in my family keep communication with them. It's that dangerous in Cuba. I mean, even just talking to somebody in the U S who is doing what I'm doing and stands for freedom and has stood against the communist party. There is dangerous for people who live there on the Island. Now, um, what has the incumbent uh, congressman from the 5th Congressional District, Democrat Jim Cooper, who's been there forever in a day, what has he said about these Cuban protests? Has he uh, get made a public statement in support of the protesters? No, absolutely nothing. You know, and, and in fact, saying nothing is probably the worst thing because it says everything. And by proxy, you know, it sort of says that, he doesn't disagree with these people on the radical left in his party who are supporting the communist government there and who not only are supporting the communist government, but have made statements essentially saying that this whole thing's about COVID and about COVID vaccines. This says nothing. I watched all of these protest videos and listened intently. Not one video that has been on the Internet of these protests has mentioned COVID or has mentioned COVID vaccines. What they mention is liberty, freedom. And the visual from it is people waving American flags. And that's despite decades and decades of indoctrination where they're supposed to hate America. And these people are out there still in love with America and the idea of freedom. And that says a lot. After decades of government indoctrination, they still want freedom. Yeah, they, they certainly do. Now, let's talk about the, uh, the, the current occupant of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, the legal but not legitimate administration of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, um, and their Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, uh, as I say, the the beta male running American foreign policy, the guy uh, formerly with the law firm of Winken, Blinken, and Nod, not really, but just, you know, just to point out what a great expert this guy is. What has he said about these? He's, uh, he's an empty suit. He's an empty suit. I mean, he he has no interest in actually stopping this. In fact, the Biden administration's interest is in helping the Cuban government by proxy. The only thing that they don't want to do is they don't want to publicly give them too much support where people can figure out what's going on. So it's more of a wink and a nod. You know, what they did is they, they dropped sanctions in Venezuela so that the Venezuelan government could help the communist government in Cuba. They don't want to directly come out and help them. Because if they do, they already know they have a big problem with Cubans. We're pretty much the most conservative voter block in the country. And so they fear losing that voting block entirely for the future because they know right now in Florida they're not winning a statewide election for a while. And so um, they don't want to make that a permanent problem. And, um, you know, just through their weakness and cowardice, they're going to make it a permanent problem because the people that have come here that are Cuban-American, they, they know the difference. They pay attention. And what they prefer is the type of leadership we saw from Mike Pompeo and Ron DeSantis uh, this week, where both have stood for the Cuban people constantly, very vocally, and are now demanding that the Biden administration offer up an internet access point, which is something that we did for people in Iran. 
um, not not too long ago because the Cuban government has shut down the internet and they've blocked people from social media in hopes of trying to quell these protests. Now, uh, on the campaign trail, when you talk about Cuba, how do people respond to you? Very well. You know, I think people understand, people people really understand that this is something that could happen here, you know, and I think that that's something that um, has given me a little bit of hope that, that these people, they see very clearly this is something that could happen. And then on the flip side of that, you know, I'll get some questions about do I believe in um, – U.S. intervention, and I don't. I, I you know, I, I believe in America first, and I don't believe in intervention any anywhere else. So I can't, despite my own personal feelings, go and say we should go, you know, save the day in Cuba. Um, I think that what's happening now is what needs to happen: is the people there rising up and they're saying we've had enough, we want freedom and liberty, and they're they're doing all the things necessary to try to change things there. Um, you know, so there's been a lot of conversations along those lines. Now, you know, if it gets to a certain point where we see the government, you know, really seriously mass murdering in the streets, we can have a different conversation. Um, but aside from that, you know, I think I do I do really – I'm glad, rather, that people are seeing the line, the direct line from how you get there and what's happening here in America. Robbie Sarbrooks, a couple of uh, campaign questions for you, if that's okay. Uh, first, I, is it true – that Candace Owens has endorsed you. It is. It's true that Candace Owens has 100%. That happened this week. Um, she's a really good friend of mine, and I think people know. I mean, if they've if they've watched what she has done over the past few years, she's a real fighter for this country. She knows who who's a real deal and who's not, and so that's why she's jumped into this race to, to endorse me. Uh, second campaign question, a bit of a curveball. Are you ready? Ready? Here's coming. Yep. Um, do you anticipate any challenges to your eligibility to run for uh, the Republican nomination in the 5th Congressional District? I heard that somebody, you know, wanted to make some sort of challenge, and um, it, 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 you know, it's ludicrous. I, I, I don't even understand what the basis that they, they would have for that is. So I, anything like that will we'll I think what I think it has something to do with, you know, have you voted in X number of Republican primaries in the past? Something like that. Oh, well, I mean, if that's the case, I mean, that's going to get thrown out really quickly. I voted in Republican primaries in California. So there's, you know, I mean, that 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 fills every need that is necessary. Is the standard Republican primaries in California or in Tennessee? The standard is Republican primaries. So if you have, you know, lived in the state previously, say, you know, two and a half, three years ago, if you voted in enough of those primaries as a Republican, um, that seems to be the standard legally. And I think the eligibility standard to run in a congressional district in any state is you have to simply have to be a resident for like is it like six months or one year and and you can run yeah. for any district you could run for any district in uh, in the state in which you're a resident is that right exactly so good well uh, what's on your agenda for the next uh, week or so on the campaign trail Robbie you know we actually we've been doing so many events I just got back from CPAC um, so I spoke at CPAC on the only congress. Oh, that's right. Give us the nut. What did you say, and what was your reaction, to CPAC? I forgot all about that. Oh, CPAC was incredible. We had an amazing reaction. Uh, my phone is is still full at this point of people that I've got to get back to because it's it's just been an insane reaction. But um, myself, myself, and uh, former Governor Scott Walker, 
and Congressman Mark Walker over in North Carolina, we did a panel essentially how you can roll back what the left has done here in America over the past few years. And so there's a lot of talk about strategy, offensive strategy, you know, going forward, because essentially a big part of our problem has been we've been on defense for too long, for decades Mm -hmm. and decades and decades. And it's done nothing but seed ground. And some of these people who, you know, are really rhinos and have called themselves conservatives, I I had the very frank question of what have they conserved over the last 25, 30 years? And the only thing I can think of is their job. (laughs) That's a good line, Robbie. That's a very good line. It's it's true. (laughs) But at at this point, we need somebody who's, who's ready to conserve some other things, you know. Um, and that's going to take an offensive strategy. It's going to take bold leadership, and it's going to take, you know, some real outside-the-box thinking in, in terms of how we message our policies and that we need to be very aggressive in having an offensive plan and stop apologizing. So um, we had a fantastic reaction, and one of the great things I saw at CPAC was so many of the people who were there, they really just wanted leadership and they wanted something to do, and they came because – they're ready to take action some way or another, and they want they want to be able to, to know, what do I do? What is the best thing I can do to save this country? Robbie Starbuck, candidate for the 5th Congressional District, the Republican nomination. Thanks for joining us. Come back pl- again, please. Thank you. Will do. Anybody wants to find out more, go to Starbuck2022.com. All right. Got that plug in. Very good, Robbie. We'll be back with the original all-star panelist, Crom Carmichael. After this, this is the Tennessee Star Report, and I'm Michael Patrick Leahy. Welcome back to the Tennessee Star Report with your host, Michael Patrick Leahy. 6.34 a.m. Broadcasting live from our studios on Music Row in Nashville, Tennessee. We are joined in studio by the original all-star panelist, Crom Carmichael. Crom, good morning. Good morning, Michael. <laughs> I'm watching. I'm watching. I'm watching you do three things at once. It's very, very. Is it very entertaining? Very impressive. Very impressive. <laughs> Multitasking. <laughs> Multi. For those of you listening, you know, occasionally. So I'm. I am multitasking. I'm talking on the air. I'm. I'm finalizing the edit. I'm, this is just a secret for for everybody out there. I'm finalizing the edit of a Breitbart news story that has a deadline in about half an hour. <laughs> and I forgot to get headphones for Crom. That's so okay. I, I can still talk without headphones. I was fumbling and mumbling and bumbling so, anyway. in order to get them for you. Also, I have to salute teamwork here. Uh, our great producer, Scooter, has produced for me perhaps the most delicious cup of of radio station coffee I've had in some time. Thank you, Scooter. Wow. I really appreciate it. Happy to help. I don't know how you got this great quality. Wow. As Crom, as you know, one of my... Uh, so we gr- have coffee back in the... We have coffee this time. break area. Okay. In the, uh, but, and it's but, fresh. And it's fresh. Oh. And it's Sco- Scooter may okay. be our... You know, he's a coffee yeah. specialist. Okay. Hey, it's a backup plan. <laughs> right. You never know. Our number one plan, though, Crom, is always to... Get, we have to get... The a, a a fantastic coffee sponsor, yeah, and we would talk about them yeah. voluminously because yes. we love coffee. Yes, I don't know why that hasn't happened yet. It's because I'm lazy. Your phone, your phone should be ringing. It off should the hook. be ringing off the hook. Somebody out there, a coffee vendor, just yes. wanting to. Yeah, just had a guy on last name Starbuck. <laughs> now that's a very good point. Yeah, Crom, yeah. uh, what is on your mind this morning? 
I have I I stumbled across an article that uh, that then caused me to dig deeper and deeper, and it's really quite interesting because this whole COVID government demands all this stuff where the government's trying to crush crush our spirit by making all these demands on COVID, and yet they do nothing nothing zero about the overdose of opioids. Do you know how many people died of overdoses from opioids? And I'm talking about now fentanyl, mostly from fentanyl. I'm not saying 100%, but the data, the fentanyl is by far the largest problem, which is an illicit. By the way, let me make sure about something. Fentanyl is an illicit drug. Most of it is manufactured in China, and it's brought in through Mexico. Now, um, you you hear Anthony Fauci talk about how young people uh, need to wear masks. Now, let me, let me give you a little bit of data here. Uh, from, uh, from all of the people who died of COVID through February 17th, uh, 2,900 had been aged 25 to 34. 648, 15 to 24. 72, five, uh, five, age 5 to 14. So it's, it's, it's compared to other deaths, it's very, very low. Mm-hmm. You know what the average age of death of fentanyl? 32. Mm. 93,000 people have died from fentanyl. How do, you stop, how do you stop fentanyl deaths? Controlling your southern border mm-hmm. and making demands of China. Making demands of China to stop the illicit manufacturing of fentanyl. And you know, the weakness that we have right now in the foreign policy of the uh, uh, maladministration of Biden and Harris is in those areas precisely. Well, that's because that's because the issue is not what they claim it really is, because the facts would prove otherwise. And so what I'm saying is, is that the deaths from fentanyl are skyrocketing. They are going up. They are climbing. COVID deaths are descending at a very, very rapid rate. There are, there are solutions. I'm not going to claim they're simple to execute, but they're simple to identify. Execution is different. Mm-hmm. Biden is making no effort. In fact, he's doing exactly the opposite. By the way, let me he, just inter- interject here for a moment. When you say, just you take any major policy issue today, uh, you, you can start by saying, Biden is making no effort to, yeah. but he's doing exactly the opposite. Yeah. That applies to virtually every major public issue. Well, that's because he's always wrong. I mean, it's not we're not joking here. What yeah. I'm saying is he has a he has a 40 to 50 year uh history. Uh Robert Gates said he wasn't right on a single foreign policy question in over 40 years. I would argue that 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 holds true. He has a consistent first. record of uh, being wrong. Yeah, and that's because let's review. That's because he has three screens through which he makes decisions. The first screen is it, do I get money out of it myself? If, if, if the answer is yes, there's a good chance that policy will become that he'll endorse the policy. Mm-hmm. Uh, second, uh, if, it doesn't, if it doesn't make money for him but doesn't cost him anything personally, second question is, does it help my family? Can, I, can my family make money from it? Mm-hmm. If the answer is yes, it will get his support. And then the third screen is, does it help my party, the Democrat Party? And it doesn't matter whether it helps the country. It could hurt the country. 
all these things, himself, his family, and the Democrat Party. He doesn't care if it hurts the country as long as it helps one of those three. And so in the case of fentanyl, what we're going to have this year, we'll have well over 100,000. By the way, it's up 27%, so it's from the 70,000 last year. And by the way, Trump was trying to control this by shutting down and building a wall. But, but then he did, he did control, dramatically he controlled illegal immigration. But, but still the fentanyl people were able to figure out a way to get across the border. Even though it was in relatively small numbers, it doesn't take a lot of fentanyl to kill thousands and thousands of people. Yeah. And, and so you have a foreign adversary uh, in China that manufactures it. And then you have the drug lords out of Mexico that, that get it into the country. And you have, you have Biden kowtowing to China. Mm-hmm. And you have Biden letting people flood the borders. And we now know that Mark Milley and the military, the military. That's very good, Con. Well, it's it, easy that, to do. That wasn't hard. Military. The military uh, is uh, being used now to move illegal immigrants who come across the border. The military is actually helping. That's to it, move, that to that move. is illegal. It is illegal. But Just about everything they're doing is illegal. Yeah, but uh, especially when it comes to immigration, the military is helping is helping to move illegal immigrants all around the country, and um, uh, and, and they're being told. By the way, the uh, the the the, the, the commanders are telling the subordinate uh, troops take no pictures and do not post any of this on social media. So they also they know what they're doing is wrong. They know that the American people would oppose it. But yet the mil- the military that is supposed to be protecting the American people are are uh, are helping the Biden administration uh, hurt the country and and I would argue now kill tens of thousands of of our younger younger people. This is extremely disturbing to me, Crom. The the uh, politicization of our military. Yeah, it seems to be in full form right now. Yeah, and and we saw actually I think um, during the early. Uh, Trump administration. I think we saw some evidence of that. You know, the, the debacle of James Mattis as the uh, Secretary of Defense, he was fully woke. And he, the, the, he had all these Obama administration leftovers in the Department of Defense who were woke. Now, um, I, I, I look at this and I say, what is the solution to unwoke our military and turn them into a fighting machine that will defend America? Well, it, you're not going to do it. You're not going to do it with uh, with with President Biden mm-hmm. because they're doing his bidding. And so, um, if Trump were to be reelected or someone else, a Republican is reelected, and the goal is to do that, then you you would need to uh, you'd need to clean out a lot of the hierarchy in the military and in the Pentagon. What I what I think, not being a, a, an expert in the military, but we need to get Representative Mark Green on because he went to West yeah. Point and served in Iraq. But it seems to me the kind of thing that you would want to do is you would want to reach down into the lower levels of, say, pick the outstanding colonel or outstanding lieutenant colonel and elevate them to the top, somebody that hasn't been ruined by the political correctness required to advance. Yeah, it'd have to be people who've not, who, who do not, have not had a career in the Pentagon. Mm-hmm. And it'd have to go very deep. You'd have to go very, very deep. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Well, on that cheery... And, and the president is the commander-in-chief, yeah. so I think that 
I think that the president has the authority to go very, very deep. On that if- cheery note, Crom, we'll take a break. We'll be back after this. This is the Tennessee Star Report. He's Crom Carmichael. I'm Michael Patrick Lady. Welcome back to the Tennessee Star Report with your host, Michael Patrick Lady. 6.50 a.m. Broadcasting live from our studios on Music Row in Nashville, Tennessee. In studio, the original all-star panelist, Crom Carmichael. Crom, yesterday was a very busy news day. What in particular caught your attention? Well, there are a series of articles that have come out recently about, the, uh, about how white Democrat elitists are discriminating against Asians. And uh, it's pretty interesting in uh, in Boston. What racist Democrats? Yeah, really? The, yeah. The, and by the way, didn't that let's end just, in the 1960s? Let's just let's just no, review, apparently let's not. Ju- yeah, let's just review. Uh, Biden talks about the Civil War and all this other mm. stuff, and how and how the insur- uh, and how the Confederates never reached the White House. Well, the Confederates were Democrats. Let's remember that. Yeah. The, let's remember the Democrat Party controlled the South prior to the Civil War. Jefferson Davis was a Democrat. Yeah. Oh, yes. Well, but they were all de- the the Democrats controlled the South. Period. Mm-hmm. After the Civil War, and after after uh, the presidential election that caused the uh, the the federal troops to be withdrawn from the South, the Democrats cre- cr- created the KKK, mm-hmm. and and the KKK then killed thousands of black people and over a thousand white Republicans who are standing up for black people. By the way, that's all documented yeah. by a report from the Tuskegee Institute done yeah. back in the 1960s. Yeah, and, and so, so the Democrat Party uh, has a history. And then, and then in, the more, in the more modern era, it's the Democrat Party that, it, that controls the teachers, <laughs> whether the Democrat Party controls the teachers' unions or the teachers' unions control the Democrat Party would be an interesting debate. They're one and the same. They're one in the same. And they and 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 the result is that black children receive a terrible education, and I believe that that's on purpose. I believe that the Democrat Party wants to keep black people uneducated so that they become so that they're beholden to the dollars that the state gives them. I had a conversation with a friend uh, about this the other day, and you know, his comment was, you know, Democrats do not care about uh, minorities, black people, Hispanics. They don't care. They want votes, but they have no interest in giving them yeah. the chance to advance themselves. Yeah, but black people, black people are not a threat uh, ac- academically uh, or, or professionally to white people because the black people who rise in government feel like that they do so because they're connected to the Democrat Party. But in education, it is Asians and, and frankly, immigrants from India who are taking the place now of white students in schools where competition and merit determines who gets to go there. Mm-hmm. And, and I have two examples here. Uh, there's, there are three elite public schools in Boston, and the, and the white liberals, the Democrats. The girls' Latin, uh, what, uh, what I don't know Latin the name. classical. I, yeah, I, it's boys' Latin. Well, it's called uh, Boston Latin, founded in like 1690. Okay. Uh, and then... Uh, uh, it used to be called Girls Latin. Now it's called uh, Boston Latin Academy. Okay. 
All right. Well, anyway, it's three schools, and Judge William Young has now withdrawn an earlier opinion approving a temporary admissions plan for these three uh, white uh, these three schools. Now, in this case, in this particular case, the judge withdrew it. The the white people are the ones who are trying to trying to say that we're going to include people by zip code because the because Asians Asians were taking over more and more of the positions in these three elite schools. Based upon academic performance. But yes. And and there are three, but there were three board members who were sending texts back and forth to each other, uh, and they're all Democrats. Oh, and, this and this is publicly available? Yes. And and these tweets became public and uh, they were they were just nasty tweets, very racist treats tweets. Uh, and they were attacking both white people and they were attacking Asians. In fact, the committee chairman, a guy named Michael Locanto, was mocking Asian names uh, and, and of some of those who were commenting because it was Asian parents who were speaking up at the meeting about about the uh, about the fact that these schools were had changed their policies so they were going to take people based on zip code rather than on academic achievement. Uh, in another instance. In another instance, Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology. This is in Virginia. It's in Fairfax County, Virginia. It's the number one ranked public school for gifted students in the country. And it is and, and more and more of the student population is Asian. And so the white liberals in that area are now passing passing rules that now diminish and, and, and put a cap on the number of Asians who can attend. The number of Asians has dropped already in just one year from 73% to 54%. So Democrats in these localities are demonstrably anti-Asian. They're racist. Yes. Okay. They're, they're racist. They're not just anti-Asian, Michael. They're just racist. And, and, and any, and, 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 but when it comes to their own children, and by the way, that's true here in Nashville, mm-hmm. the, the, the white elitists here, who who support government-run schools here? Somehow they manage to get their kids into the magnet schools in disproportionate numbers compared to white people who are not politically connected. I wonder how that happens. That's just well the political connections. <laughs> and so now you have in 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 Virginia, you have now a very specific example, because uh, because Fairfax County is a Democrat-controlled county. It's it's basically a bunch of government bureaucrats living in. Yes. Fairfax County of the suburb of Washington yes, D.C. Yes, yes, and they are now offended that that hardworking Asians are taking their children's positions, and so they're using their their racist powers to to uh, to do something about it for their own benefit. Irony, thy name is Democratic Party. <laughs> we'll be back with more after this. This is the Tennessee Star Report. He's Crom Carmichael. I'm Michael Patrick Lee.